Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And so that period in between the great tribulation which the church will not go through because remember from your perspective looking at me the rapture can occur at any time and that ends the church age and then we are caught up to meet the lord in the air and then revelation 6 through 19 is the great tribulation period a time of great god's great wrath upon a world that has rejected him and then at the end of that jesus comes back physically to earth with all the saints with him Welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. As Pastor Rob begins the next section in the book of Revelation, he reviews what we have seen so far and also reminds us of the rapture of the church. Right now, we are living in the church age, but Jesus tells us that he will end that age with the seven years of tribulation on earth. Paul tells us that as believers in Jesus Christ, it is God's will that we will not face his wrath. God will protect his people during the tribulation period, and Jesus promises us in John 14, 3, where he says, Where I am, there you may be also. Now let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 4 and follow along with Pastor Rob. Revelation chapter 4. We've been kind of parked out in chapter 4 for a while, and I don't make an apology to that because chapter 4 really begins a, a new section in the book of Revelation. If you remember in uh, Revelation chapter 1, verses 19, this is all review for you, but it gives the outline, if you will, of the book because the Lord told John, he says, um, he told him to write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. And that word, that phrase after this is the Greek phrase metatauta. It means after these things. And, um, and so when we look at that outline, we see that in the very first chapter, John did write those things which he saw because he saw the glorified Jesus Christ in his, in his glorified state in heaven. And uh, the state that we see him there reminds us of other areas in the scripture where the saints have seen God and, and some of the similar pictures and visualizations are all there because it's true. It's who he is. And so John wrote the things which he saw. And then he wrote the things which are, which at that time in history, in 95 AD, when this book was written there in the Isle of Patmos, as he was out there serving time for the crime that he committed, which was sharing the love of God and preaching the word of God, that was his crime. He was out there, and he, and, and so the things that were, or the things that are at that time was the beginning of the church. The church age had started on the day of Pentecost, and the church age is still going. 
We are still in the church age until the rapture of the church, which could occur at any time. And so he says, write the things which you have seen, which he did in chapter 1. And he says, write the things which are, which we know are chapters 2 and 3. In the last several couple of months, we've been looking at those seven churches of Revelation. And that encompasses the church age. But here in chapter 4, it says something interesting. After these things, I saw a door. Isn't that what it says? After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Metatauta, things that must take place after what? After what things? Well, the things that were just previously discussed, and what were those things? Those were the seven churches, encompassing the church age in its totality, of which we are still a part, again, until the rapture. But notice that a door was open, and the voice said to him, Jesus spoke to him, and he says, come up here. And here we have a picture of the rapture of the church. And John, being a member of the church as well, he is caught up into glory. Just as we will be caught up to glory. We looked at that. We spent a whole Sunday just talking about the rapture of the church. How we will be violently snatched up off the earth. And don't let that word violently snatched up off the earth you know, freak you out. Because it just means literally raptus. It means we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that. Then those who are dead in Christ will rise first. They will be given a new body. And then we which are alive and remain, we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And we will be caught up together to meet the Lord where? In the air. That is the rapture of the church. Don't ever get that confused with the second coming of Jesus. Because when he comes back to earth, we are going to be coming with him. And that that period of time in between we call the Great Tribulation. Chapter 6 through 19 is what we call the Great Tribulation period. It's a a period not of persecution so much as it is God's wrath being poured out upon a world that has rejected his only means of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Are you a believer in Jesus this morning? I look out and I recognize most of you, and I know that you are. But there are some of you I haven't seen. And you know there's some online that perhaps haven't given their heart to Christ. Folks, today is the day. Do not wait another day. The signs have been all around us for many years, and we've been lulled to sleep by our culture. We've been lulled to sleep by many things, but we can afford no longer to be asleep. We must awaken. We must awaken. We ask God to revive us. Now, maybe you're in that place where you're like, oh, I don't really need to be revived. Well, praise the Lord. Come and touch me. Lay hands on me, around my throat preferably. Um, you know, and, 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 and let's, let's ask the Lord again. Lord, do it again. Whatever you want to do, we want to be available to you. Help us, Lord. And so that period in between the great tribulation, which the church will not go through, because remember, from your perspective looking at me, the rapture can occur at any time, and that ends the church age. And then we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then Revelation 6 through 19 is the great tribulation period, a time of great God's great wrath upon a world that has rejected him. And then at the end of that, Jesus comes back physically to earth with all the saints with him. And we will be with him, and he will rule and reign from Jerusalem on this physical earth for a thousand years. It's called the millennium. 
We will rule and reign with him. And then it gets even better because at the end of that thousand year, what does it say? That a new heavens and a new earth will be created. This current heavens and this current earth will dissolve in fervent heat. A new heavens and a new earth. And that is the eternal state. That is where we will be for the rest of our days into eternity. Walking on streets of gold that are so fine and purified, they are clear. Have you ever seen gold so refined that it's clear? You're going (laughs) to. And it's going to be more expensive. If we were to have something like that on the earth today, oh my. And God says, you're going to walk on that. Do you believe it? Do you? Not because I say it, not because countless of other pastors and saints and Bible teachers, Bible scholars have said it. Do you believe it? Because the Lord has shown it to us. Do you believe what he says is true? I hope you do. Because... That will encourage your faith. That will encourage your faith. And so now we have this chapter. I've talked about chapters 6 through 19, but what about chapters 4 and 5 that we're looking at right now? Certainly it speaks of the rapture of the church. And where is the church at the rapture? In heaven. Where is Jesus at the rapture of the church? He never set foot on earth at that point. He's still in heaven right now. Isn't that what he told his disciples in John chapter 14? He says, I go, he says, do not be afraid. You know, I, I'm coming to receive you unto myself, that where I am, you, where I am, you may also be. Wasn't that the promise in John chapter 4? It was. So we're going to be caught up with him. We will see him face to face. And we're in heaven with him. So wherever Jesus is, that's where we're going to be after the rapture. And we will be with him forever. And when he comes back to the earth, we will come back with him. But this interim in between... Chapters 4 and 5, still yet before us in history, is in heaven. And I love the fact that chapter 4 and 5 are there because it describes to us this heavenly throne room, this heavenly scene. And I would encourage you to let your heart be raptured, pun intended. Let your heart be raptured with that thought right now because before all hell breaks loose on this earth, God sees fit to show us glory. He sees fit to show us the throne room of God, which puts in perspective everything that has happened before and everything that is coming upon the earth. Folks, do you understand that the things that are happening have just happened and we're still coming out of it? Do you realize these things are just, they're little signs, guideposts. The world is being prepared The world is being prepared for a new world order. (laughs) And the new world order is slowly going to be in the clutch of the Antichrist, the man of sin. The Bible talks a lot about him and his career, yet future to us. And God is going to pour out his wrath on his kingdom during that seven-year period, known as the Great Tribulation. It's known as Daniel's 70th week. It's also known as Jacob's Trouble. You and I will not be here during that time. For we would point him out very clearly because we know the word of God. But once the church is removed, guess what? A lot of the light, 90%, I don't know the percentage, but a great deal of the light of this world is going to vanish. And everything is going to flood in like a tsunami. It's going to happen very quickly, folks. And we're seeing a foretaste of it now. Do, Do you see it? 
Are your eyes open to see the things that are coming? Does it surprise you? Is it discouraging? Yes, it is. Because there's a part of me that really wants things to work out and for things to get better. But things may not get better. In fact, what I read in my Bibles tells me that things aren't necessarily going to get better. So what does that mean to us? That means that we better get our hearts and our minds focused on him and focused on what he wants us to do because he is coming soon. Do you know it? Do you believe it? He's coming. Are you excited? You know, I was talking to Pastor Jeff recently, just a few days ago, and I was telling him how excited I was to, for the rapture. I really am. I'm excited. And then I made the comment, I, and I, I said, you know, I feel kind of guilty, you know, saying that, because to me it's kind of selfish. And he says, no. He says, don't. And I really loved his response. He says, no, don't, don't feel uh, sheepish about that at all. Don't feel ashamed that you want to go. Because guess what? That's what the Lord has been talking about all this time. He wants to see us just as much as we want to see him. And guess what? Just because the church is removed doesn't mean that people aren't going to get saved. Is it going to be extremely difficult? Is it going to be nigh impossible? Pretty close, but it can happen. Because there are indications, even during the great tribulation period, there will be people who will give their heart to the Lord, but it's going to cost them greater and greater and greater than it does for any of us now. And so it's possible So we are not the only light, right? Because the Bible says that God's going to send an angel in the tribulation period proclaiming the the news of the everlasting gospel. Now, would he do that if there was no hope for people? Even still? No, he wouldn't. So there is still hope. But do you want to wait? (laughs) Do you want to wait for that time and and think that you're going to have the guts? You're going to have the fortitude? Do you think that you're beyond being deceived? Because when that time comes, the Bible says there's going to be a great deception. That's never, a, I mean, have you ever been deceived before? The deception that's coming is so great. It is going to be so great. Every fabric in a person's body is going to be freaking out. And every, be, every part of a person's being is going to want to go into this program that the Antichrist is going to have for them. He's going to have solutions. He's going to show things. Visually, he's going to be able to do miracles. The Bible even says he's going to be given all power. That's scary. He's going to be so convincing that the world's going to go, this is the Messiah. And all those people who the Lord or who somebody took that are off the planet, they've been taken to judgment. And that's you and I. (laughs) That's what they may think. And they're going to think their Messiah is present and they will do anything for him. They'll be glad to stand in line like you've been doing at Tops and Wegmans, standing in line, and everything, standing in line, waiting, anxious, wanting to get toilet paper. <laughs> Remember that whole thing, when this whole thing started? So things are, are changing, and I would have you be prepared. And that's why we, it just so happens we're reading through the book of Revelation. But again, I love the fact that we're looking at these two chapters now, because it really just gives us a glimpse of glory It gives us a glimpse, and and the Lord is so gracious. He wants to fill the church's heart with the things of heaven. That our habitation is not here on the earth, but it is in glory. And I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? And I'm not ashamed of it. I don't feel guilty about saying it. I want to see Jesus. Do you want to see Jesus? I can't wait. I can't wait. So notice with me. 
chapter, uh, you know, chapter four, it says, you know, after this, I, I looked and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. I will show you things which must take place after this. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne and he sat there was like a Jasper uh, Jasper. It could be a diamond. It's a very clear, very hard adamant stone and a sardius stone, which is a red blood stone in appearance. And we looked at that last week, just the symbolic nature of that. And there was a rainbow, a rainbow. I love the fact that the, the rainbow is a promise, isn't it? And from Revel or on Genesis chapter nine. God's promise to the earth that he would not flood the earth again. And yet a a group, the homosexual community, has hijacked the rainbow. And I say the church redeemed the rainbow. Let's take it back. (laughs) It doesn't, you know, and pray for them because they're angry. They want us to accept everything. They want us to accept sin. Why should we accept sin in our own lives, much less theirs? They are as much of an object of God's love as you and I are, right? God does not delight in the death of the wicked, but if they do not turn from their sin, they will go to hell, along with every other sinner who does not repent. It doesn't matter the sin. Sin is sin. Whether you're a homosexual or whether you are a a heterosexual fornicator, it doesn't matter. All sin leads to death, unless it's repented of. And then guess what? We have this wonderful grace and mercy of Jesus. I love that. Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. I already got to that. Sorry, excuse me. So verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and on thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. We looked at last week who these 24 elders are. We can't be too entirely dogmatic about it, but we know one thing, that they are not angels. If you look at Revelation 7, verse 11, it, it, it delineates the difference between the elders, the angels, and these four living creatures. Therefore, these elders, who are they? We believe that they are just nothing more than a representative of the church, Jew and Gentile, together, the redeemed a representative of the collective redeemed of the church. We believe that that's who these 24 elders are. They were clothed with white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the, and, and from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Isn't this imagery wonderful? And I love the fact that, you know... John here is seeing these sights. He's caught up in the spirit, if you will. He's being transported. Physically, his body was on Patmos in the Aegean Sea. But spiritually, the Lord was able to take him to the time of the end and show him things that are in heaven and the things which are going to occur after these things, which we know is chapter 4 through chapter 19. Actually, through the rest of the whole entire book of Revelation. That's the last section of the book. Is chapter 4 to the end, after these things. Because we're still living in the church age. But seven lamps of fire, I love the imagery. The language struggles to, to, to describe these things. Isn't it wonderful when you are striving for a word, when you experience something? Maybe you've seen something, maybe you've experienced something physically, the words break down, and sometimes it's hard to describe. Have you ever been so overwrought with emotion, and your spouse or a friend comes and says, hey, what's wrong? And you're like, I can't even talk about it, because I don't even know what's going on inside of me. 
Have you ever had that? You know, to me, that's one of, the, one of the nice things about having a prayer language, having the gift of tongues, if you have that gift, is going before the Lord on your knees privately, and you, can't, you don't even know what's going inside. You can't even describe it, but you've got this heavy burden. There's, it's such a mixture of so many things. You, you're like, Lord, I can't even describe what I'm feeling, and so you just let it go. I don't have that gift, I don't believe, but I know people who do. And praise the Lord if you have it. But notice as we get into verse 6, and hopefully we'll finish the chapter today. Um, but I want to encourage you as we get into this, you're going to see that everything in the Bible, all this imagery, all these symbols are all there by design, and they're not by happenstance. They are there for a reason, for a purpose, because God does not waste ink on the page. Everything that we have in the Word of God is not suggestions. It's not like uh, a Ford Motor Company when they make a Ford. They don't put extra parts on the car. In fact, every single nut and bolt is scrutinized. And they try to make them cheaper, hopefully not on Ford trucks, but they make them cheaper so they can make more money on per, per car, per volume, over the thousands of cars that they make. Right? They do, they, they, you know, they, but even still, they don't put in spare parts. Neither does the Word of God. Neither does, neither does God put in things in the Word of God that aren't there by design for a purpose, a reason. And I love that. God says what He means, and He means what He says. And because He is God, there is no need for Him to hide anything from us. He gives us what we need. He gives us what we need enough to encourage our faith. And he doesn't deem it necessary to give us the bigger, the, the, all the minutia of the bigger picture. He doesn't give us it all. And the Bible, especially in Revelation, is trying to portray things that really defy language. And I want you to remember something about symbols, because we're going to see a lot of them in this chapter and going forward. A symbol is always less than the reality. Do you understand? When, when, a symbol is always less than the reality. I give a symbol to, it, well, it's like this. You've heard in, in English class, it's like a simile. Well, you know, when I saw it, it was, it was kind of like this. But the symbol itself is pale in comparison to what they were trying to describe. Do you follow me? And so these symbols, even as you look at these things, let your heart be raptured in awe of this great God that we serve. The one who is over all things. The one who right now is in an innumerable host. Man, I want that to be more of a reality in my life even right now. Because see, I get so stuck on earth. I get so stuck on the things, the temporal things. When's the last time that I, when's the last time that you thought about heavenly things? Really think about them. Really read these chapters and go, Lord, just take me away. Take me away. I'm fed up with the rotten, filthy, awful things that I see in this world. I'm tired of the filthy and the rotten things within my own soul, God. I want to see perfection. Do you long for perfection? You've come to the right place. You've come to the right place in Christ. Because he is perfect. He is almighty God. Amen? Amen. I was going to say, can I get a witness? Yes, because I grew up in the South. That's right. <laughs> so, 
We look at verse 6. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. Notice, it was like, it was like a diamond. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. You know, the sea of glass reminds me, and I would have you just write down some scriptures. I'm going to give them to you. We're just going to look at a few of them, and then we're going to go on here, okay? But just to kind of give you a, a balanced view of what we're seeing here, because again, What God puts in his word is there by design. He's either pointing us back to something that he's already revealed or he's pointing us forward to things that will will make sense once we get there. And here he's pointing us back to 2 Chronicles in chapter 4, verse 2. 2 Chronicles 4, verse 2. Let me just read this to you. You don't have to go there, but I would encourage you to write it down because this is when... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.